As we come now to hear the Word of God, let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray. God, whose truth is sweeter than honey, as we turn now to your Word, send your Holy Spirit among us so that the joy of your good news will quicken within us and we will respond with love. Amen. Has there ever been anyone so famous about whom we know so little? The Bible gives us not much more than her name, Mary. Unlike our first character of Advent, John the Baptist, if Mary dressed funny and ate bugs, we don't know it. More significantly, we're told nothing of her ancestry and nothing of her death. Now, these voids have been lavishly filled by tradition. Visiting Peru last year, we glimpsed the elaborate practices of Mariology, an aspect of Roman Catholicism that our Protestant heritage views with suspicion, so much so that we Presbyterians rarely see Mary except in a children's pageant, and we rarely speak of her except in the Apostles' Creed when we say Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. Now there's something that we're told about her. She gave birth to Jesus and she was a virgin. I could wish that we'd just get over that. Though it did bless me with an indelible memory of collecting my little boy after Sunday school one December morning 20-odd years ago, only to have him ask me the question, Mommy, what means virgin? I'm sure I provided an excellent answer. And I'm sure that answer featured the word, um... But that phrase, born of the Virgin Mary, is actually a massive theological touchstone. In those five words, we declare that Jesus is both fully human, born of his mortal mother, and fully divine. In his very life, God is doing the impossible. In addition to being the Virgin Mary, Mary was the only person with Jesus at the manger and at the cross, which is impressive. But what does she have to do with us? Well, I bet that as Mary was raising her son, teaching him stuff that would one day show up in parables about baking with yeast, or searching a house to find a lost coin. I bet Mary was also teaching her son about how God relates to ordinary people, like her, like us. I believe this because the main thing that the Bible, here in the first chapter of Luke, tells us of Mary is this. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for God has looked with favor upon the lowliness of God's servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things in me. And holy is God's name. 
God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown strength with the arm. God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped servant Israel, remembering to be merciful according to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. That church is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, how we got from that to gentle Mary, meek and mild is another sermon. Today, let's just ponder for a moment what Mary teaches about God relating to ordinary people like her and us. Mary glorifies God, declaring that her spirit rejoices because God has looked with favor upon her. You don't have to be an unwed pregnant teenager in ancient Palestine to marvel and rejoice that God notices you. And not just notices you, God looks upon each of us with favor, the favor of bathing us in the font of forgiveness, the favor of feeding us at the table of grace, the favor of welcoming us as family. Put another way, God relates to us by loving us. An even more radical claim undergirds Mary's words, a claim that originates in the preceding scene, you know, when the angel visits Mary announcing that through her, God's salvation will enter the world. Mary ponders how that can be, but she trusts that God has a plan and she goes with it. She accepts that God relates to ordinary people by involving them in God's mission. Can we join Mary in that conviction? Can you believe that within you and through you, God is doing God's work in the world. Jesus preached that. Maybe he got it from his mom. And then Mary lays out what God's mission is. It is the bringing of justice. It's what Jesus grows up to preach the defeat of prideful, unjust powers from worldly wealth to earthly death. Mary really emphasizes this way that God relates to us. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Well, wait a minute. What about us? If not on thrones, we are, most of us, in positions of power. What about us who, in the presence of this peasant girl who gives birth in a barn, cannot deny that we are rich? 
What about us? We want the lowly lifted up, and we certainly want the hungry filled with good things, but I squirm when Mary exclaims that God sends the rich away empty. Is feeling my emptiness what it takes for me to find a better, more loving way of being? That's another way that God relates to us, freeing us from lesser things, rescuing us from powers that would use us to do harm. I see the good of that, but the cost makes me afraid. And so perhaps here we are closest to Mary, who heard the angel say, do not be afraid. Mary challenges us to accept that discipleship changes us. And she encourages us to ponder our questions while daring to trust that God calls every ordinary one of us to participate in the extraordinary. Mary even invites us to bring Christ into the world through our words and deeds, to be instruments of how God lovingly relates to ordinary people. It's a monumental idea. And that's why the Magnificat is not a mere speech. It's a song. And it contains what we need to know most about Mary, that God relates to ordinary people by loving us so much as to change us and use us to change the world that God so loves, which makes the Magnificat our song too. So let's stand and sing it with our very lives. <laughs> 